Welcome back to another episode, the Tuesday edition of Let's Open the Bible. It's Russ and Gavin coming back at you today. Hello, Gavin. Hello. <laughs> we moved from good morning to good day, from good day to hello. Yeah, I've just uh, decided that good day is off the table. Okay. I, I don't think I've earned the How right to sup? say it. What's up, dude? What's up, homie? Dude. Two guys that have no right to say sup. Yeah, if we have no yeah. right to say good day, we certainly have no right to say sup. <laughs> we are the most uncool people ever. Glory Pete. Uh, all right. Well, uh, thank you for uh, continuing to listen with us if you still are with us. Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 19. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7 and talk a little bit about marriage. And uh, today I'm going to open us in prayer and then ask. Brother Gavin, to lead us in the reading of the word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the breath that you give us in our lungs uh, to be able to, uh, Father, live and breathe and to try to bring you glory and point others to you. Lord, I pray today that our uh, words would be seasoned with salt, and uh, but always, always, Lord, seeking to glorify you and point others to you. So thank you, Lord, for the gift of marriage. Thank you, Lord, for your love and grace, but most of all, thank you for Jesus Christ and his shed blood. And we ask this in his precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. We are in Matthew. Matthew. I think there's a good place to go in Matthew. Let's go to 19. 19, 1 through 7, I think it's was. There you go. Now, when Jesus had finished these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And large crowds followed him. And he healed them there. And Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? He answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And he said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And we'll call that verse 7 a teaser for tomorrow. That's right. Okay. There's a lot being said um, in this passage, but one of the things we'll get to, I just don't want to lose sight of, is the one flesh, because that is a mouthful. Okay. Uh, the one flesh aspect. And we, we talked a little bit about this. Uh, the one flesh aspect is a total, total oneness, oneness right. in every aspect of life. Right. So, so it, it primarily means uh, intimacy, and the two shall become one flesh, and, and that that uh, the intimate marital relationship. And yet, the implications of that are oneness in every other part of your life, including, and I know that you've dealt with people in counseling that say we have two separate bank accounts. Well, my wife and I do. Okay. Well, but, there you go. But, but there's actually, we, we have a good reason for it. So uh, <laughs> it, it is not like I'm trying to hide money or she's trying to hide money. We pool our money. We just, we pool it a little differently than having one account. We, we do a budget app and, and we use that app. So we, we both know what's going on with our finances. So there's okay. total transparency okay. there. So that would be almost, so, so again, I don't want to back down from, we got to be very careful why there too. But if that's, if that's just saying, Hey, there are specific, you know, that's multiple marital accounts, not as opposed to she right. has her account and I have my account right. and we don't need to dig into your finances right now, but I'm if, if you listen to yesterday's podcast, Russ and I will not always agree, but I think that there is a oneness that is 
uh, in tota in, in totality. Well, the, the temptation to multiple accounts is to hide money. Okay. Yeah, and so we've we've eliminated that problem from our relationship. Uh, I'm not saying that it hasn't been a problem before. Okay. Uh, but the statistics are alarming. The number of people that actually have uh, accounts that their spouse doesn't know of, and one of the things that I want us to talk a little bit about is secrets in marriage. What does one in flesh mean with regard to? things that we hide from our spouse whether that's conversations whether that's money whether whatever that is okay so so maybe it would be helpful to go back to the garden when when adam and eve took of that apple and i know i've mentioned this in our episode on love i think i, I don't remember what what exactly um the situation was in, in the topic of discussion but when they took of that apple it, it had long occurred to me that they were saying, God, you are not God in our lives, that we want to be like God. We want to, did God really say, so you, you don't trust the word and then you will be like God. We want to determine right and wrong. We want to be, we, we want to, we want to make our own idols and worship and serve them. God, um, but what didn't hit me until I preached through Genesis was that as soon as Adam did not desire Eve's relationship with God first and foremost. The only other alternative was selfishness. And now Eve does not trust him as her provider and protector right. and vice versa. Eve, when she sees Adam is not protecting her, whether she admits it or not, now suddenly understands he's selfish and she clothes herself as well. And she's not only not intimate with God, she doesn't trust him. Yeah. She, and so there's this breach. And so now in marriage, how that lack of trust if you really trusted your wife with everything and you really trusted your wife to have your interests first, you would have no problem sharing that account. But not only does, do you not trust that she has your best interest at first, you don't uh, in mind your be- that she's not putting your interests first. Man, I jumbled a whole bunch of words there. But not only that, you're not putting her interests first. You're not, she, you're not considering her more important than you unless you're saying, and I, and this, I, I would, even be very cautious about this. Oh, I'm saving up for a surprise birthday, you know, gift for her or something like that. Well, that is one of the downsides to having a budgeting app where, you know, everything is transparent when you want to do something special for your, for your, you know, husband or wife, it, it, you know, it, it does, but you have to have, I mean, there's ways to work around that. There still shouldn't be secrets. And that's not what we're talking about. You know, wanting to do something special for your spouse and having secrets are very different things, but I actually just preached Sunday about how, you know, sin always starts by questioning God's word mm-hmm. and is rooted in selfishness. Yes. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And that's what we talked a little bit about, that, that self-referential yeah. nature of mm-hmm. suddenly God is not our reference point. He, yeah. He is not the zenith, right? The apex, the point, the goal, the purpose, the, yeah. The all in all. The telos. Yeah. All right. So, um, and what about oneness in other areas of our marriage? And, and and there's so much more in Matthew 19 that I want to get to. But just just is there any other oneness that you want to talk about in Scripture? Well, I think part of oneness is transparency in in our thoughts. Okay. You know, if there is if we have a proclivity in our mind to go somewhere in our mind that we shouldn't go, then our helpmate um, should be someone that we can trust. Getting back to the trust issue should be someone we can trust to help us avoid going into those places we ought not go. One thing that I've learned is the devil wants to get you living together, sleeping together, being together before marriage. 
loves to see people living together. And by the way, studies, we don't need these studies, but studies came out that people that live together are less likely to stay together than, what, what was the number one way that people stay together according to this latest study? It was uh, early marriage, um, marrying you know younger than, than the, the uh, norm is now, marrying younger and not living together. Those people tend to stay together longer. But anyways, the devil wants you to live together, sleep together, being together before you're married. And, and that's why you'll have, as I know you as a pastor have had this before, people that sit down before you and they will leave the church if you refuse to marry them. They will tell you, I love him so much I can't live without him. And yet the, the statistics are overwhelming the number of people that get divorced because the devil's doing everything he can getting you away from each other after you're married. So I always say, let, let's have slightly a different goal. And, and, and this is not, I don't want to overstress this, slightly a different goal than the devil and have one foot out the door while you're dating. You need to be willing to walk away from your the person you're dating if they are not helping you grow in godliness. And, and that's why you'll get the I Kiss Dating Goodbye books and stuff like that that are not necessarily biblical, but they're just warnings to, to people like be very cautious about how you date and who you date because you, you can end up very quickly saying, oh, the heart. Has yeah. reason that reason knows nothing of, and and then you're with a, the wrong person in an ungodly way. Well, I was actually going to mention that yesterday. You know, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of yeah. life. Proverbs four twenty three. Yeah. Part of part of what we can uh, 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 an application there might be uh, with regards to relationships. So, if you're a believer and your boyfriend or girlfriend is a non-believer, break up with them. Yeah. Because you may end up falling in love or being in love or feeling like you need to marry this person. And then, you know, you're inviting a host of problems into your relationship unnecessarily. Yeah, I would redefine love. I I, I really struggle with, with the, the flippant, unbiblical, ungodly definition of love today. We don't have time for that. But I, I want to finish that thought. So, so I want to be willing to leave the relationship before we're married because the devil wants me living together, sleeping together, being together before we're married. And I want to keep the marital bed in honor before we're married. And then after you're married, it's a, uh-uh, devil, I'm not listening to you. Well, how can you put up with your wife doing this? No, devil, we're, we're not going anywhere. We, we What God has brought together in today's text, mm-hmm. let no man put us under. That's right. God brought it together. So so we don't have the right, the prerogative uh, to end this thing. Um, uh, what else in oneness? 1 Corinthians 7 reminds us, and we won't spend much time on it today, but there is a oneness and intimacy that I think is really quickly being lost in marriages today, perhaps because of the excess of pornography, perhaps because of um, the busyness of life. But I think there, uh, let me back up and, and just address. Every marital book you'll ever read talks that I've ever read has talked about the importance of communication. And you oh, said yeah. being one with with you know our transparency. Hearts. Transparency is what you said. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So so not I think having secrets, not having secrets, but also just communicating. Yeah. And 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 maybe you would lump that into secrets as to listen. I have something on my heart that I cannot talk to you about. We need to be very much about communicating. But then there's a there there's an intimacy, a physical intimacy. Um, that I think is very important, according to First Corinthians seven, in a marriage. Um, what else in terms of oneness? Well, I think I think you you touched on something, uh, and it, it entered my mind, and it, it kind of slipped out. But before we we started this episode with uh, regards to um, the communication, how women are more adept at nonverbal communication, yes, and very- and we need to catch up a little bit because. 
And statistically, I think the the number is 75% of our communication is nonverbal. So when we as guys are not picking up on the cues that our wives are laying down, we're missing a significant portion of something that's very important. I don't I don't miss my wife's nonverbal cues. I pick up every I'm really good at reading my wife. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. My kids have at times and this is sad. This is really sad. My kids have at times go, "Dad, you're you better are you not picking up on what mom's putting down and i walk nope you know so, so i'm not i'm not as good as i need to be and i don't want to make light of it i need to be better at, at a, a reading my wife and she needs to be better at communicating i'll, I'll give you two examples sure. um my wife is having uh, some kind of one of these i don't know if it's pampered chef or candlelight or whatever it was one of those parties that, that people come over to the house the guys leave and they do whatever it is they do uh, and so I, I think I went downstairs, sounded like it was wrapping up. I came upstairs. I noticed my wife was rubbing her temples. And so I perceived as she was talking to somebody, not paying attention to me, as she was rubbing her temples, I perceived that she had a headache. So I went and got her some Tylenol and gave her some Tylenol and she did have a headache. So that was yay for me, right? Yes. Well, uh, another example is uh, we actually, uh, there was a time in my life where I was having, I was struggling with my mom's passing and I was having to take some medication to go to sleep. My wife warned me, she's a nurse. She knew this medication was very powerful and that I needed to let her know, A, needed to let her know when I took it, and B, to only take half of one of these pills, of which I didn't either, and didn't tell her. I did take half a pill. So I go to bed. I barely, I don't even remember going to bed that night. The next morning, we're sitting in the kitchen. Me and, and our boys were sitting in the kitchen eating, and cabinets were being slammed left and right. And so I, it took me a minute because – I don't always catch these nonverbal communication cues, but I finally said, are you mad about something? (laughs) You know, it's like, duh, you idiot. So, you know, those are just two examples, one where I did well and one where I maybe not so much. I'm, I'm so much worse than that. There's a weird Al Yankovic song that, that, and I'm not sure I'm going to get the title of it. It's something like, I kind of get the feeling she doesn't love me anymore. And the whole song is about like break lines being cut and poisoned in the cereal and stuff like that. (laughs) That's about me. Yeah. That's pretty, uh, that's that's pretty clear evidence. You know, are, are you upset, Julie? (laughs) And she's like, well, it's a, about time oh you're just now figuring it out blissfully oblivious um all right well let's let's get is there any other oneness that you want to you said you really wanted to hammer down on that so Uh, well yeah i I think it's just uh it's just a big there's a lot being said there when we talk about uh one flesh that's more than just the the physical intimacy though that's important Uh, and i think we've covered different aspects of it but one of the things yeah absolutely so one of the things when i'm doing premarital counseling or even marriage counseling uh, I spend a large percentage of our time talking about communication. I've got different communication uh, uh, t- tests, yeah, yeah. you know, that I give just so that oh. one side can kind of learn better about how the other side communicates, and you know, different things like that. Okay, um, <clears throat> let's just kind of go over some of the red letters here. I I, I don't want to overemphasize red letters, but let's let's just start. Uh, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning? Uh, I think it's important to understand that marriage is a uh, an Edenic institution, right? It's not. It's not. Uh, you know, because of the fall, we need to kind of clean up something, or you know, there's this allowance for marriage because of the fall. Marriage is an institution created by God before the fall. Before the fall, okay. Genesis two. Yeah, from the beginning, and he made them male and female. Uh, you know. I'm not trying to have a long conversation about this now, Now, though I don't mind having a long conversation. You mean conversation. he didn't give them options on pronouns? Right. 
and and I don't want to say that with any amount of facetiousness uh, or hate. Uh, there is a lot of confusion out there, and mm. the Bible speaks clarity into it. There is male, there is female. Um, if period. anybody wants to talk, period. And if anybody wants to talk about, well, what about the case when they're born X, you know, and, and I don't X, Y, or Z? Uh, what about those cases? If we certainly. Truth doesn't bother me at all. Right. I, I, we can have those conversations. It's an outcome of the fall. It, sure. Yeah. So so it's, it's funny when people say God doesn't make mistakes and they address, you know, same sex attraction or they address uh, God. So God doesn't make mistakes with same sex attraction. I would say no, but there is the seed of Adam, the original sin that is passed on. And every one of us is born uh, by nature, children of wrath. Right? It's still sexual sin, period. Right. Absolutely. So, so God doesn't make mistakes. No, but but after the fall, we're born with original sin and temptation inside of us. Like I said, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. That's how we're born, and we're born by nature. Our very nature at that point is corrupted. Yes. So, and but but ironically, God doesn't make mistakes with what we who who we you know are attracted to, and yet God makes mistakes with the. I hate to word it like this. This is so crass, but the plumbing that he gives us, he made mistakes on that. We have to have doctors fix that. All of it is foolishness. So let's get back to the Bible. And, and, and I love how you keep me focused. In the beginning, God made them male and female. Everything that we're wrestling with right now is a perversion that happens after the fall. Right. This whole, you know, spectrum of pronouns and, and, uh, you know, uh, um, identifying with, with whatever gender that is, what takes place uh, when sin is um, imposed on God's good creation. That's right. Okay. All right. Um, and he said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. I'm telling you, the number of times that I have had to work through wrongly ordered affections, mm. which which is a Tim Kellerism, yes. Tim Keller. For idolatry. Yes. Wrongly ordered affections. It is not wrong that you love your wife. It is wrong and idolatrous when you love your wife more than God. That's right. It is not wrong that you enjoy your job. It is wrong when you put your job in front of your family. Right? So wrongly ordered affections. This makes it pretty clear. Your number one relationship in this world, certainly God, Spirit, the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Right. Pause. Your wife or husband, right? <laughs> Not for either of us. After that long conversation, we just we had. have we have both males and females listening. I just want to make sure that we have clarity here. <laughs> Uh, one of the things that we did not get into on uh, Monday's episode when we were talking about kind of the purpose of this podcast and some of the ins and the outs and, and the things that we've noticed about each other as, as we do this podcast, Russ is definitely the one that keeps me on point. I, I, I rarely finish thoughts. Um, and I rarely have any, so it works out pretty well. <laughs> I, I don't finish thoughts on the podcast because I finish them in my head 10 minutes before I can get them out this slow moving mouth. So, uh, yeah. And Russ will remind me, you never finished that thought. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, man or wife, man or wife. Yeah. 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 Should uh, so never leave. Pause. Yeah. So man, yeah. Next affection, level God, affection, husband or wife, children, children. Yes. And then, and then there are other spheres that you work out to in terms of importance to get those right ordered affections. And, and I do like this warning, and this has nothing to do with the episode today, but I do like the warning that you cannot love God without in some way serving him in the church. So when people say, well, I love God, but I don't, I don't have to be a part of anything that's going on in worship at the church or something like that. How do you love God if there's no tangible way of expressing it? 
You know what I'm saying? Like, I like how Tony Evans put it one time. Tony Evans said, um, you don't have to be in church to be a Christian, just like you don't have to be at home to be married. But stay away from your wife, and it will affect your relationship with her. Right. I like that. I, I would. I would. Though, it's. It's. A, it. it yeah, it's. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's a little bit. Uh, you know. No, yeah. I like it. I think it's very, very useful. It's very. It's. A, it's a good warning. But. But I think there's another warning when the when God the the God inspired, God expired. I hope not. Breathed out. He breathed out. That's expiration. But. But yeah. So. Um, that's an interesting thing his, when his all scripture is God breathed is Thaos Neustos is the word you're looking for. Or the, if you're James White Theanutas. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I love two non Greek scholars trying to pronounce Theopneustos or yeah. Theonutas. Yeah. Um anyways, so uh, all scripture is God breathed. Um but the God breathed scripts scripture says do not forsake the assembling together, as is the habit of some. That's a commandment. Yeah, I was going to say that's not a suggestion. Yeah, and so to, to what what is it called when you break God's law by omission or commission? Sin. Sin. It's rebellion. Yeah, and then you know, First John reminds us that if you continuously break God's law, if you're walking, practicing regularly, practicing this sin, and you're walking in it casually, uh, and you're not battling against your sin, um, that I mean. I had a guy actually tell me, had someone tell me the other day that they were getting ready to take some chemo treatments. He's dealing with cancer. And, uh, but you know, there's a a good probability, good possible outcome there. And he was talking about how the doctors have, have suggested that he not be in public, uh, in case he needs to use restroom or whatever, because of the toxins in the, in the chemo, which makes perfect sense. And so he said, you know, I'm, I just want to protect the church. You know, I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to, you know, uh, or anybody to pass anything on to me because my immune system's compromised. Makes perfect sense. Then he said, uh, but I, I know that God doesn't require we be in church. And I said, well, actually, he expects you to be in church. In fact, he commands you to be in church as much as you're able. And, and I realize there are people with disabilities. You know, there are all kinds of reasons why people can't be in church. I get that, but one of the, I think one of the pervasive things that have have come across either through COVID or just bad thinking is, is that we can worship anywhere. You know, I can watch Andy Stanley on TV or wh- whoever it is you listen to, or I can watch the preacher on the internet or whatever it is that you're you're watching, and I can quote get church. Well, yeah. no, it's not the same, right? And I and I do want to that Hebrews ten passage. I, I want to you know be let people know that I'm aware that that may not be your typical Sunday morning worship service that is commanded, but some type of participation in the assembly is absolutely commanded period. Yeah. And so the idea that you and you know, your wife are going to sit there, or your husband, whoever is going to sit there and, uh, and, and watch Andy Stanley, Charles Stanley, whoever you just said on television. And that's the same. It is not. And I think that's what it is to be warned about. The other part of it is I, I try to use this as a, as a measuring stick um, for people. Jonathan Edwards' freedom of the will is a great reminder that we do what we want to do, okay? If you do what you want to do and you do not attend church because of some situation, circumstance that you're dealing with, what does the rest of your life look like? Are you not going to church, but you're going to Walmart every other day? Are you not going to church because, you know, because spiritual health is not an important thing, but you're never going to miss an appointment with, with, you know, a doctor or you're never going to miss your kid's baseball game. And, and, and then just use that as a, as a test. And I'm not trying to drive by guiltings. I love that Matt Chandlerism. Drive by guiltings are not helpful. 
They're not good. And as a pastor, I don't want to do those guiltings. I just want you to say, okay, if I do what I want, why is it that all of my energy and effort goes towards, you know, I never miss a video game tournament, but I can't make it to church. Why? Just just ask yourself why and work through that. Wrestle with God and work through that. All yeah, right, and I've actually get back ri- to the text, but what were you I've, I've written about that as well, you okay. know, about how we can we find ways to focus on what's important to us. Always. You know, so people in church say, Well, I can't, you know, I there's a chill, child over there or those people are talking and I can't focus in church, so you know, I'm gonna leave the church or whatever and yet they can focus on their phone to the extent that they are completely oblivious to whatever's going on around them right yeah we have a focus issue absolutely and the other part with with the phone is uh, and uh, sorry to quote so many pastors today but but uh john piper tweeted one time he just said um that our time spent on and i'm going to paraphrase this incorrectly but our time spent on facebook twitter and I don't know enough, which, uh, um, give me a TikTok, one. TikTok, TikTok. The time spent on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok is a reminder that our lack of prayer is not due to a lack of time. Can you imagine if you just dedicated the same amount? And I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm just, uh, just maybe an assess, you know, test yourself to see if Christ is in you. Uh, that's a good, good reminder. I don't know okay. what any of this all has to do with marriage, no, but let's it's get been back a good conversation. Yep, let's get back to it. So, um, the two shall become one flesh. I hope we, we, flesh that out pun intended yeah um and then verse six and and we'll stop here so they are no longer two but one flesh um i think that allows for the separation before marriage it is i just realized this that that marriage the, the the wedding ceremony no longer has the power i don't want to say no longer i hate I hate that idea that everything's just falling apart in the world today. Certainly, sin has been present since the garden. So, but when everybody is, when many people are living together, sleeping together and being together before marriage, that moment when the two become one is extremely watered down. Oh, it's anticlimactic. Yes. When when the, the bride comes in in a in an earned white dress. Um, and I understand that's simply symbolic, but a white dress, and the two have been two, not one. They have been two, and they become one. Um, It is an incredibly powerful moment, and when the father says, her mother and I give, she's no longer ours, she is leaving us, and you are now responsible for to provide and protect, it should be a jaw-dropping, like heart, um, uplifting and wrenching experience, very powerful. But but all of that has been watered down. It's milk toast now. Isn't yeah. that the word you use? That's a good uh, no. That's what I eat. Milk toast. <laughs> no, that's that. But that is a really good observation. Um, uh, what therefore God has joined together? What does that? What does that mean? Well, the the word joined there, and I think of the super glue commercial where the guy used to, you know, he had the hard hat and yeah. he would super glue the hard hat to the steel beam and yeah. just be suspended in air. Uh, the, this How joint, does the hat stay on his head? That's a really good question. <laughs> I don't mind how the hat stays I'm on the not, steel beam. I'm not getting there. But the idea. Uh, Did you try that once? No. I fell on my head. This idea, though, that, that is contained in the word join has, is similar to being like 
glued together like it you know it's not intended to be separated yeah that's the idea being conveyed sort of like a a tongue that sticks to the roof of a mouth it's a really dry mouth i mean it it is not intended to be pulled apart yeah i understand this also to be you know indicating covenant rather than contract right so that that if you if you as a husband and wife get together under a contract and you say listen here's what i'll do for you and here's what you'll do you know um, it's a commodity it yeah but and and there are some expectations and if you don't meet your expectation expectations i'm out and if i don't meet uh, your expectations you know you have the right to leave me but that's not what this text is communicating this text is communicating that marriage is a covenant that you take that takes place under god's authority and he brings you together and you can't separate i i actually think in matthew 1 uh, where Bathsheba is never mentioned, but it is mentioned the wife of Uriah. I think that's a reference to that God's union sticks mm. in the line of Jesus in Matthew 1, in the lineage of Jesus. It does not say Bathsheba, though she is the one in that line. It says the wife of Uriah, though Uriah is not in that line, but though that relationship, that marriage was destroyed when David manipulated the death of Uriah, there's still some type of covenantal recognition even then. So, I mean, that's the tie that binds us. Uh, and we could get to Romans 7 and 1 Corinthians 7 about how death does free people to remarry and stuff like that. But that's the tie that unites us. Yeah, I feel the need to, to uh, end the podcast with the wow. singing of Blessed Be the Tie That Bind. But I'm going to spare all of our listeners from that. We sang that this week. Yeah, well, we, we sing it when we do communion. That's how we close the service. Very good. Yeah. Uh, listener, thank you for the uh, being along for the ride. Keep opening your Bible and wrestling with these things. And until we see you tomorrow, God bless.